We'll be reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, verse 8. It reads thusly, So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Thank you. You may be seated. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Matt. That verse and that song, I think, are, are beautiful and get at the heart of love, because God is love. There's a lot I'd like to say, but I'm, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> my name's Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here. Typically, I'm up here leading the music, but from time to time, I preach, and that's always a privilege and a joy. Um, yeah, typically, you'll see me up here with a guitar in my hand, and sometimes I don't know exactly what to do with my hand, so a lot of times, I'll just kind of park it right here. Um, my role here is pastor of worship and discipleship. And so today I'll be talking a little bit more about the hat of pastor of discipleship as we talk about mentorship uh, this morning. Um, also a little bit of a disclaimer. Uh, my wife and I, we have a three-month-old. Um, we we uh, dedicated him. His name's Levi a few uh, weeks ago, which is awesome. We moved out here a, a few years ago to help start this church. And we've been married for a handful of years. Um, but But having a three-month-old... I am tired. <laughs> Some of you have been there. Some of you have been there. Uh, I, I, this, I take comfort in the scriptures. One of them says, God gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. <laughs> we could do a sermon on that. Some of y'all need that sermon, right? <laughs> but um, here, here's the deal. I only got one kid. <laughs> Some of y'all got like Four. Five. I'm just impressed that you're like you're here right now, <laughs> that you're anywhere at any time. <laughs> like that's incredible. Uh, I, I have a whole new appreciation for an entire demographic of of, of people that I just I, I didn't see uh, in the same way. And so that's none of that's what we're preaching on. We're talking about mentorship uh, Sunday this morning, taking a, a week off of Ephesians. Um, and I want to tell us, this is where we're going. We're going to look at a vision for mentorship, a vision for all of life discipleship. Um, we're going to share some, some stories of God changing lives, um, specifically through mentorship. And then I'm going to share some ways that you can get involved in this ministry here at our church. Um, we're going to be in a few different passages. We're not going to launch just specifically out of one. We'll look at the one Tom read. But um, with that, because we're bouncing around, it's all going to be on the screen. But also, I want to get some Bibles in your hands if you need them. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand, and we'd love to get one for you. If you don't own a Bible, this is our gift to you. Um, if you do own a Bible and you just forgot to bring it, please take one and just leave it on, the, leave it on your seat on, uh, after the service. If you don't own a Bible, we, we want you to own this so you can cherish God's Word. I pray my words this morning are helpful. I pray that they shape us. I pray that they point us to Jesus. But, but God's Word is, we, we stood out of reverence for it because it's something entirely different. It's altogether true, and I pray that, that I will point us there this morning faithfully. So uh, let me pray towards that end, and if you need a Bible in Spanish, just indicate so, because um, that's where we're going. Let me pray for us. God, you are good. Your love endures forever. You don't stop till we're found. 
You are faithful to us. You are good to us. You are near to us. Jesus, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for leaving the 99 to come after us, Lord. We all needed pursuit. We all needed uh, to be fought for. We all needed to be found. Jesus, thank you for coming and finding us. And help us go and, and, and love as you have loved us. In your name, amen. Um, if you've been here for really any amount of time, you may have heard us say a phrase at Redemption that says, all of life is all for Jesus. Um, I want to say this isn't just a, a cute catchphrase. Um, this is deeply theological, and it shapes the life of our church. So I actually want us to turn to Ephesians 1. That's where we're going to start. Some of you guys thought we were getting out of Ephesians. And if you were looking forward to that, I got bad news for you. Uh, we're going to continue on a little bit in Ephesians. Um, so you can throw that first verse up. Ephesians 1 uh, the second half of 9 and 10 says this. God's purpose, which some of us wonder, what is God's will? What is God's purpose? What is he doing? God's purpose, here it is, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things. Can somebody say all things? That was pretty good. Let's do it again. All things. That's his plan to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So you can go back and you can listen to that sermon online for more. But God's plan at the heart of it, the good news of God and the gospel just means good news. So the gospel, the good news is this, that, that, that he is uniting all things in Christ. See, God created a beautiful world for us to dwell in. We were created as perfect image bearers of God and we rebelled against God. This is what the Bible calls sin. And this fractured our world and it fractured our lives. But God's good plan is to unite what has been broken, to restore what has been broken in Christ. God is healing our relationship with him. God is healing our relationship with each other. God is healing our relationship with ourselves. And God is healing our relationship with the created order itself. God's grand plan of redemption and salvation includes all aspects of life. One of my favorite songs that hits at this reality is the song Joy to the World, the old Christmas song that says, he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. As far as sin has reached and infected and affected and permeated, as far into every fabric of society that the, the impacts of sin have gone, Jesus' salvation goes further still. Jesus' good news reaches into that place. Jesus' gospel, his sacrifice, his life, his death, his, re his resurrection informs that aspect of life. His good news goes further than sin has even gone. And that's good news. Amen? And amen just means I agree. I'm tracking. That is good news. Jesus is Lord of all. Let me just shoot us straight here. He's not just Lord of Bible studies, church services, and tithing. He's Lord of all. See, Colossians 1 says that all things were created by Jesus and all things were created for Jesus. So that means our entire life is under the lordship, under the mastery, under the authority, and under the oversight of Jesus. Our work, our relationships, our hobbies, our passions, our dreams, our education, our finances, our families, all of life is all for Jesus. And my prayer is that as we sit in these chairs, as we participate in these services, as we hear and we sit at Redemption Church, my prayer is that we would see Jesus as he truly is big. In my prayers that we'd see his gospel and his good news and his salvation and his kingdom and his work as it truly is big.
our entire life is a life of discipleship, a life of following Jesus. That's what discipleship means, uh, following Jesus. And mentorship, what we're talking about today, is about helping us do this faithfully. So I, I want to pause and maybe define a couple terms here, or at least spell them out. We don't, we intentionally don't call mentorship discipleship because mentorship is part of our discipleship. If our whole life is a life of discipleship, mentorship comes in as like a pillar in that structure. And, and our vision is that all we do as a church would disciple us. Everything we do as a church would disciple us. Um, hearing God's word preached and proclaimed as we walk through the book of Ephesians, we pray that that would disciple us. We believe that disciples us, that we might look more like Jesus. When we sing songs and we hear our neighbors singing, when we corporately worship and magnify the name of Jesus, we believe that isn't just a time for us to express ourselves, but it actually disciples us and forms us to look more like Jesus. When we confess our sin and we hear the assurance of grace, the assurance of pardon, stand out of a resurrected identity, we believe that disciples us and shapes us that we might look more like Jesus. When we, when we come here and we take the communion elements, when we come here and we remember uh, Jesus' body that was broken and his blood that was shed, we believe that that actually shapes us and disciples us. It's not just a ritual. It's something that forms us. We believe that our redemption communities, when we gather together as communities to, to hear God's word, to study God's word, and to break bread together, we believe that this gathering together is not just about community, but it's about discipleship. We, we believe that things like Surge, where, where we get leadership development and, and, and healing journey women's Bible studies, we believe all these things are not just nice things churches do, but it disciples us that we might look more like Jesus. All these aspects of life disciple us and help us follow Jesus. Because again, and I'm okay belaboring this point if you're like, you've said this five times. Well, I'm gonna say it six. Our entire life is a life of discipleship because all of life is all for Jesus. And I don't know a ministry of redemption that more captures that reality, that embodies that reality more than mentorship. So if you're type A like me um, and, uh, and like definitions like me, here's a definition for mentorship. Uh, mentorship is a unique relationship where a mentor is invited to share their life, their experiences, and their resources with a mentee. Christian mentorship is a holistic relationship seeking to help someone grow in all of life discipleship unto Christ. Mentorship is, is all about coming alongside someone and helping them see Jesus, helping them look more like Jesus, and helping them experience the love of Jesus. We tracking with that? And here's the deal. I think we all got to remember this. Each one of us are only where we are at today. Only where we're at today. Because of one, God's grace, his undeserved favor, his undeserved love. We're only here because of God's grace. And then two, we're only here because someone committed to you and someone invested in you and someone helped you grow. None of us are so smart. I don't care if you went to the U of A or ASU or the Harvard of the West like me, Chico State. That's not a joke. It's a bumper sticker. None of y'all went there. It's exclusive. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how gifted you are or how talented you are. None of us are, any of those things are so wise that we just ended up here today. I think, I think we, we all should be nodding in agreement with that, right? And if, if you're not, pray for yourself, that you would see more clearly uh, where you're at, right? 
from faithful parents to friends to leaders to pastors to mentors, we all stand on the shoulders of someone that poured into us, who influenced our lives. These folks, they gave up time, they gave up energy to help us grow. We've all been taught something by somebody. So let us go take that something and go tell someone else. Share your life. Share your experiences. Share your mistakes. Some of the best mentors I know are the ones that share their mistakes. (laughs) Share your knowledge with another. Listen, love, invest in a brother or a sister in Christ. That's mentorship. See, mentorship is one piece of our picture, of our vision, to be a disciple-making church. We collectively are called to, by Jesus, to make disciples, to do the ongoing discipleship ministry, to grow disciples. This is not just a task relegated to professionals, people on a stage, to pastors. We are the church. Let's all say that together. We are the church. Look at your neighbor and say, we are the church. Y'all said that at different times. And we are called to intentionally help people grow as healthy disciples of Jesus, because we are the church. Mentorship is seeking to help this work in the life of our church. I just want to tell you, this isn't my vision. I'm not smart enough for that. I didn't come up with mentorship. It's much older than me. I want to say that this vision, this normative pattern, is just life in the New Testament. This picture of people investing in one another, mentoring each other, shaping each other, coming alongside one another, is woven into the fabric of our scriptures. Let's start with Jesus. Jesus, um, he's usually a good place to start. Um, He preached and taught to the crowds. We're not opposed to preaching. Jesus wasn't opposed to preaching, obviously. But Jesus doesn't just preach. He also takes the 12 disciples and he does life alongside of them. He listens to them. He mentors them. He invests in them uniquely. One clear example, I think, of Jesus' mentorship is John 13. Jesus could have given a sermon on serving and humility, and it would have been great. It would have been awesome. It would have been fantastic. But instead, he models and he mentors. He ties a towel around his waist He gets on his knees, and he washes the disciples' feet. See, preaching, speaking, and mentoring, listening, and showing was the way of Jesus' leadership and discipleship. And we don't need to pit those things against each other because Jesus didn't. Both are essential, preaching, speaking, telling, and listening, modeling, mentoring, is I think the way we should be doing discipleship. Because I think it's the way Jesus did. More examples. Paul took Timothy and Titus under his wing. He mentored them. He was, as the Bible says, a father figure to these men. Apollos, he was a, he was a preacher in the early church. Um, a couple named Priscilla and Aquila, they took him aside and the book of Acts says they showed him the way of God more accurately. They, he was mentored by this couple. You also got Barnabas taking on, it seems like, a mentoring role to Paul early on in his conversion. Moses' father-in-law mentored him through leadership decisions in the early life of Israel. You have Moses mentoring Joshua, Naomi mentoring Ruth, and the list could go on and on. 
this pattern of older men and older women investing in those younger than them in age and in the faith is just incredibly normal in our Bibles. And I pray it's incredibly normal in our church. I pray it's incredibly normal in our lives. I want us to look, we're, we're not going to dive into, into these texts too deeply, but I want to look at a few verses that all echo this vision of mentorship from Paul, who, like I said, he, I think, was kind of mentored by Barnabas for a season, and then he mentored Timothy and Titus. So let's, let's see what he says. Let's start with Romans 15, 14, which says this, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, and the Greeks as brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. We are called to teach and to instruct and invest and mentor one another as the family of God, the church. We as a community really should be able to shape one another. 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul is going to tell Timothy this. Paul says, what you've heard from me, Timothy, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Like I said earlier, we've all been taught something. We didn't just arrive here. So let us go invest in someone else the way we've been invested in or maybe the way we wish we would have been invested in. Philippians 4.9 and 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And then the next verse, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Let us show and model and mentor others. I love that. Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I think that's a beautiful picture of mentorship. But we can't give away something we don't have. We can't teach others to run if we don't know how to walk. It's really hard to mentor others in marital health if your marriage is dysfunctional. It's really hard to, to mentor others towards a healthy prayer life if we're not praying, right? So the question becomes for all of us, and this is not a question to make us anybody feel small, but a question hopefully to lift our heads and say, we're called to something here. To look to Jesus and say, are we following Christ faithfully? Are we being a healthy example of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus? Should anybody be following my or your example right now. And I would say the Spirit of God is in you. <laughs> there is hope. If right now you'd say no, it's not the end of the story. Let's look to Jesus and let us emulate his example. Maybe start by asking someone to mentor you. Last verse, the one that Tom read, 1 Thessalonians 2.8. This is a beautiful verse. It says, We were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. We are not only called to share truth and lessons and teaching. We are called to that. Don't hear me say anything different. I'm up here teaching right now, right? But we are in addition called to share our lives with one another. I want to say this verse is such a beautiful picture of, of investment and mentorship that flows out of love because we invest into that which we love. So I want to call us, church, let us love our church family well by sharing the gospel and sharing our lives with one another. All of life is all for Jesus. 
but we need help living that out. Amen? All of life is offered to Jesus is simple to say. It's really, really hard to live out. Really hard to live out. It'd be easy if Jesus was just Lord of Bible studies, church services, and tithing. We could probably do that, right? All of life is all for Jesus. We need help. We need help. Every single one of us. So here I want to make a turn. This is where this service is going to look a little different than maybe a typical Sunday. Um, there's a quote by a pastor that I, I kind of read and follow named Matt Chandler. And he says, you become what you celebrate. Or you can even say you are what you celebrate or what you celebrated. So I want to celebrate stories of God changing lives because I want us to be that. <laughs> I want us to be a church of, of changed lives and changed stories. I want to celebrate what God's doing in our church, how he's moving in our church. I want to celebrate the work of the Spirit shaping people through mentorship because it's happening all over the place. I want to celebrate and I want to acknowledge the work of God in our midst because life is naturally supernatural. And some we say at Redemption, if you've been through a foundations class, you've heard us say this, life is naturally supernatural because God is on the move. He's here. We don't have to talk about him like he's not in the room. God is here. He is with us. He is in us, Christian. He is in us, the Spirit of God. And he is changing us. So I want to share some stories of that. The first story I want to share is from Megan. She's a recent college graduate. She's the one on the right. Um, and her story, I think, beautifully captures um, the all-of-life reality of mentorship. And she's mentored by my favorite mentor, Kelsey, uh, my wife. And this is at our uh, baby shower. My wife's looking beautiful and pregnant. Um, you also might recognize Megan because she sings on stage. She's actually singing uh, this week. Megan sings. Um, I sweat and I shout on stage. Uh, always sweating and shouting. Megan sings. So when she sings, you get a, you get a blessing. Um, here's what she says. Um, she said about mentorship that it, it helped her seek the Lord deeper in all aspects of her life. She was also mentored in kind of a group context uh, within her redemption community, within her RC. And she said, something that was important for me was that mentorship showed me the necessity of doing life with people who weren't in exactly the same season of life as me. She says this, there was a specific mentorship session that was really shaping where we talked about vocation, where we, we went through the all of life questions for each of our jobs. Something we do once a month is this thing called an all of life interview. Tina, who led through the welcome, does a great job helping us connect our work to God's work. Um, you can listen to any of those on our blog. Um, we helped each other think through how specifically our work was a direct reflection of who God is and what God has done. At the time, working as a scribe, basically just taking notes for the doctors I worked with. I have a feeling it was a little more than that. But it was pretty hard for me to think through how my work reflected God. Kelsey pointed out to me that the way I took information from a bunch of sources and made it into one concise document is a reflection of how God makes order from chaos. That was shaping not just for my work as a scribe, but in general, and it helped me see the value in vocation and see how the work itself is glorifying to the Lord. I think that's a great story. I think it's a really cool story. And I, I know Megan, and I know that she's still wrestling with what's next, what's calling, what, what's next for her life. I know a lot of us are in that same boat um, right now. And, and what I love is that Kelsey and her mentorship and these gals she's with is, is not answering her questions, but it's giving her new ways to look at her questions. 
And, and I, what I love about mentorship, there's a lot of these stories going on. I know a few mentors, their whole deal is, I want to sit down with young people and help them discern and direct what's next for their life. I want to listen to them, and I want to just help direct them. It's a beautiful picture of mentorship. So I want to say thank you, Kelsey, for mentoring and loving Megan well. The next story I want to share is from um, Marley. It's either Marley or Marley. I didn't ask before. Marley. All right, so now I can say it right. One of those was going to be wrong. Marilee, she is a college student here at the U of A, and she's mentored by Rachel. I do know how to pronounce that. Um, and so Rachel's on the right. She's on the left. And here's in, in um, her own words. When I met my mentor, I was going through a conflicting period of doubt and hurt and loneliness. Rachel created an environment where I felt comfortable asking ugly questions and aided me while I combated doubts towards God. She never told me, no, that's wrong thinking, so be better. She always was empathetic and validated my feelings, but she never let me sit in the sadness. We always went to scripture. Somehow each passage that Rachel took me through each week revealed the brokenness I was feeling while simultaneously bringing me back to Jesus. I believe the consistent relevancy of the scripture Rachel chose each week had nothing to do with me or her, but has everything to do with God's faithfulness to bring good things out of community and mentorship. Left on my own, I believe I would have sat in my hurt and have allowed uh, my bitterness to grow bigger and bigger. I would have let my heart get hard, and, and I would probably still be mad at God. Rachel helped me through heartbreak, through navigating life changes and family frustrations. She guided me through difficult and painful questions about God and is constantly pointing me back to Scripture. I firmly believe I am stronger and my relationship with Jesus is more intimate because I had a mentor who went deep with me, who kept me accountable, and who prayed persistently for me and with me. Say, praise God. That's awesome. That is such a great story. Rachel, thank you for investing well. I think these stories capture well the vision of mentorship. Investing in a mentee. A mentor doing that. Building a friendship, building a relationship, sharing their life, and pointing them to Jesus in all of life. I want to tell you, it's not complex. There's not some grand orchestrated plan. These simple practices that any of us could start like this week, God uses these simple things to change lives. The last story I want to share um, I'm going to leave it anonymous. It's a little bit longer, but it gets a lot more, I think, uh, uh, personal. So I'm just going to, I'm going to leave it anonymous. This guy gave me permission to share this, but I'm going to leave it anonymous. He says this. The majority of my life, I have struggled with feelings of being orphaned. My formative years were full of constant instability. Due to my dad's sickness and moving, I spent a lot of time alone. When I was 13, my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Shortly after his diagnosis, I gave up and fell into addiction. I chased after things that helped me to feel powerful as I was consumed with shame and darkness. Shortly before his death, knowing that he would die and how that would impact our family, my dad charged me with being the man of the family. As a 15-year-old kid who hated himself, I had no idea how to do this. I thought the truth of my being was that I was worthless, and I believe that God looked upon me with disgust and disinterest. In his absence, a battle waged inside, trying to follow God and trying to feel empowered in my identity. 
my life took a sudden change of direction as God lifted me out of that darkness and in a very jarring fashion, my heart changed overnight. It's good news. And I was given an amazing opportunity to begin the process of healing at a boarding school for troubled teenage boys. There I was introduced to mentors who began to teach me what it meant to live and step into my true identity in Christ. God presented men in my life to teach me and walk with me from then until now. The false narrative of toxic, ma toxic masculinity was slowly dismantled. It was shocking to me that someone might actually like who I really was and that I did not need to act with all this bravado and nonsense in order to convince people I was worth something. I'm learning that I must trust God as my father and that these mentors can't be my dad. Their job is to empower me, to be a man, in order to face the difficulties of life. And I have to listen in order to learn how to do it. This isn't one of those I did this and now everything's better testimonies because that's not how things work in real life. Amen. The subject of masculinity is not something I've found that I've been able to master entirely but it's something I must mature in over time with the teaching of mentors and community. Today, I ask someone to mentor me as I have once again seen in my life my need for teaching in a few areas that I know he can really speak into. I'm standing at a crossroads in my life. I need help because I'm a man who cannot do life on my own. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. As I sent an email out to all the mentors and those being mentored, I asked just, what are the stories of God changing your life? And I got story after story after story of couples saying, my marriage is stronger. People saying, I parent totally different after being mentored. My entire family-like structure looks different now. My faith is richer. My, my walk with Jesus is different I can have someone to wrestle with and talk through these things. I know I'm not alone in my faith. And I want to say praise God. Seeing story after story after story, God is moving in our church. He is changing lives in our midst. And so what I want to do right now is just thank the Lord. God is good. God is good, and he's being good to us. He's being good to us, and he's using you. He's using many of us in this room. He's using you as an instrument for life change. I, I just pray we'd have eyes to see it. So actually, the last person I want us to hear from is, is actually my mentor. Um, he's been doing mentorship for for. Uh, a little bit now, and he's been doing it in a lot of contexts. And I think he has a ton of wisdom for us here today. Um, in many ways, he could have preached the sermon and probably done a much better job. Um, I know we just clapped, but I want us to actually welcome up Corey Mitchell. <laughs> Careful. I know. It's a miracle that hasn't actually happened yet. <laughs> Uh, Corey, thanks for taking time to, sure. to talk. Um, you've already shaped my life in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, really, really thankful for your influence, not just in my life, but on our church and on this ministry. So we were, we were talking, and there's just really two questions that take however you want them. Um, but the first question I want to ask you is, how do you see mentorship shaping the health of a local church? Sure. 
and it really goes both ways to what you were just saying in terms of our relationship. You know. and, I, and I think that's really a key when you think about mentorship in the context of the local church. You know, if you listen to the, the scriptures that Steve sh- Stephen shared with us this morning and the stories that you hear, um, it's really all about the transfer of, of wisdom and understanding and knowledge between the members of the church. You know, God tends to invest in each one of us in different ways, and he expects us to take that and, and share that. And that's what you see in the scriptures. And so mentorship really is just one aspect of how we do that. But how does that really fit into the, the body of the church? How does the, the passing of wisdom and, and understanding and knowledge build up the church? Well, I wanted to look at Proverbs 24, uh, verse 3 and 4 specifically, because the, the writer of the proverb tells us exactly how this works and, and kind of weaves this into how it's God's intention. He says, by wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. And by knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. You know, so it's God's intent. There's many ways in which God builds his church and, and builds the body. But one of those ways is very specifically to impart wisdom and understanding and knowledge into each one of us in different ways. And then for us to share that and to transfer that to one another. And when we do that, we build up the whole. Yeah, that's great. That's great. My next question is, how do you see mentorship shaping the life of a Christian? really just an extension of that same idea yeah you know you take it at the corporate level and how that you know builds the body but the body you know scripture tells us in many many places is the collective aspect of each of our lives you know ephesians even talks about how each one of us is given grace specifically by the holy spirit by god to be used and it goes on through i think it's in verse in uh, chapter four Mm -hmm. it then talks how that builds up the body but there's an interesting in word, and I think it's in verse 16 in Ephesians, where it says where each part is working according to how it's supposed to or how it's proper, then the body is built up. And so I think on the individual level, as we impart wisdom to one another, we're helping each other work properly the way God designed us. Mm-hmm. And so as the Holy Spirit invests in you, and then you invest that in someone else, you're really transferring the work of the Holy Spirit between each one of us. And each one of us becomes whole and healed and as it says working properly and so really then that ties back into the first question which is the church can then be built up and so they work together not an either or yeah totally Corey and his wife are definitely doing that in our lives and I'm really thinking one thing I love and we were talking about this is the role mentorship plays in, in preventative ministry like how many divorces didn't happen how many children were raised in a different home because of that? I mean, I don't know if you have any story you want to share on that subject, but I just think about preventative ministry and where would we be at without this? <laughs> like, yeah, and it's almost impossible to quantify. Yeah, but I think it's a I massive thing. I think I can tell, like you said, we've Mary and I have been doing this in different contexts uh, for a long time, um, and we could tell lots of stories, even from when I was in high school. Not so much, you know, me mentoring, but being mentored yeah. and seeing that happen around. Um, but I, one of the stories that always comes to, to my mind is uh, when we used to live in Denver, and there was a guy that showed up in one of our Bible studies, uh, and he was just moved out of the prison system, was in a halfway house, and oddly enough, he drove for a living. He drove cement trucks, and so his job was to drive, but he wasn't allowed because of his situation to actually drive to and from work. Hmm. Um, so several of us volunteered to pick him up in the morning, drive him to work so he could drive all day, and then somebody would have to bring him home the system 
<laughs> but then maybe that's God's intervention because what it allowed, at least for myself, was multiple times a week to spend about 45 minutes driving with him in the car to and from work. And we would talk about, he was a single dad, so we talked about parenting. He was yeah. trying to figure out how to think about life differently than he had before because of that had gotten him into prison. And so we talked about just living life, how to be an employee, how to do his job well, how to interact with people well. You know, and I saw just not from my own mentorship, but the other, other men specifically that were speaking into his life really transformed him. You know, and over a year period that I was working with him closely and being with him closely, we saw him transform into a dad mm. who loved his daughter, who poured into her, and, and even more so into a guy who was able to then begin pouring back into the guys he worked with in the halfway house. So he had to go to a meeting every week, and a lot of those guys were struggling with how to be outside the mm. system, and he was able to take what had been poured into him and pour that back into those guys. And so you could just see how it was a chain yeah. reaction. And even today, when you look back, he has his own business, his own cement truck business. He's mm -hmm. out of the system. He owns, I think, two or three different cement trucks, but he has his own, he's doing all that and he's doing really, really well. And it's, you know, he'll tell you it's because of not just me, but because of everybody yeah. who poured into him and helped him break out of those old habits. And it was really just the transference of the work that God had done in each person's life yeah. and how he had connected them together. I love it, I love it. We could share tell services over more and more stories, but I know for us, our marriage is stronger, our parenting looks different because of not just you guys mentoring us, but who we're mentoring alongside too. You mentor a group of us, and so I love it. I think it's a really helpful thing. Um, Corey, thanks for sharing us. We thank Corey for, for sharing. <clears throat> so really practically, what, what do we do with all this? At the end of service, there's going to be an opportunity to sign up for mentorship and to sign up to be a mentor. Sign up to be mentored or to be, men, to be a mentor. And we got four types of mentorship here at Redemption. We got women's, men's, couples, and youth. So men and women, it can look like uh, a group or an individual one-on-one, -on -one, depending on the mentor. Couples, it can look like, uh, it looks like you and your spouse or you and your significant other being mentored by another couple. And it can look like just you or a group, again, depending on the mentor. Then we've got youth, so junior high and high school students being mentored by trained youth leaders. Um, and so at the benediction, what we're going to do is we're going to break up the room into those four categories, and you can go to the part of the room that you want to sign up for. Going to keep it pretty simple. Um, also, really candidly, we need more mentors. And so I'm going to be available right here in the front after service to have people sign up to, if they're interested in becoming a mentor as well. So in closing, guys, I, I, what I'm calling us to do as a church is to invest in each other, to love each other, and to point each other to Jesus. So a word for kind of a couple groups of people in the room. One, some of us need to become mentors. You don't need to have all the answers. If that was the case, none of us would be mentors. The best thing Corey has as, as a mentor of mine is he loves Jesus well, and he loves his wife well, and he loves his kids well. That's really, in many ways, the qualifications of a mentor. Are you loving well? Are you being faithful? Listen, love, invest in someone. Just a few steps back up the road, you've already traveled. That's being a mentor. Two, some of us need to be mentors. You need help. Maybe you just need to acknowledge it. Just sign up. You need an investment from someone further back up the road. You need some wisdom. Don't try to do this Christian life alone because none of us were ever meant to. And lastly, the third group is some of us need to keep it up. 
Keep going. Some of us are already mentoring. We're already being mentored, whether that's maybe formally through redemption or not, but you're loving well already. Thank you. Keep investing. Keep it up. I love this quote. Jesus already died for his church, so you don't have to. Don't overextend yourself to a point where you're just wiped and, 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 and exhausted. That's not what God's calling us to do. That's what I'm asking you to do is just add another thing on your plate to just cripple you. But maybe your mentorship that you're already doing, this relationship that might be a little bit informal, maybe that needs to get enveloped in and adopted into formal redemption mentorship. We have a team of coaches that would love to coach you and encourage you and spur you on and help you and bless you and equip you in your mentorship. I think some of us need to become mentors. I think some of us need to be mentored. And I think some of us might need to take this relationship and make it kind of an official um, mentorship. And some of us just need to keep it up. Some of us just need to keep it up right where we're at. I think many of us in the room need to make one of those steps. So church, let us truly treat one another as fathers and sons, as mothers and daughters, as sisters and brothers, mentoring each other as the family of God towards Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Let's respond towards that together. God, thank you that you invest in us. God, thank you that you care about us. Thank you that you have given us grace and you've given us people around us that we might grow to look more like you. God, I pray that we would make the steps we need to take. I pray that we'd live all of life all for you. Uh, not just because it's a catchphrase, but because it's true that you're Lord of all, you're good, and you're coming to make your blessings flow far as the curse is found. I pray that we would taste that. I pray that we'd see that in our midst. I pray that um, the next time I send that email out, there'd be twice as many stories of changed lives, not so we can say we had a successful ministry, but that we can make your name famous and we can celebrate what you're doing more accurately. Because God, you're doing, you're doing great things in, in, in us and through us and amongst us. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Son. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the work you're doing. We love you and we respond to you now in your name. Amen.